Welcome to Spliss, a podcast from the speech, pronunciation, and listening interest section of TESOL International. Spliss provides a space for TESOL professionals to get familiar with the latest trends about all aspects of oral skills and English language teaching. Welcome to the Spliss podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Gordon. And today we have a very special guest, Professor Gemma Archer. Professor Gemma Archer is a program coordinator, coordinator and English for academic purposes teacher in the English language unit at the University of Strathclyde in Glasgow, Scotland. She's the editor of the IETFL Pronunciation Special Interest Group's biannual journal Speak Out, as well as being joint special interest group coordinator. Gemma holds a CELTA diploma in TESOL and a Master's of Research in English Language and Linguistics and has taught English in the UK, Ireland, Italy, and the Middle East. She specializes in pronunciation in English for academic purposes contexts as well as in standalone electives. Her research interests lie in the field of pronunciation pedagogy and diverse Englishes, particularly the effects of learning and teaching with international L2 and regional L1 accents. This led to her creation of the Scottish Sound School, an online resource which supports international arrivals to Scotland with the unfamiliar sounds and speech of their new linguistic environment. Professor Archer, welcome to the Splits Podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. And I want to start by asking you uh, a little bit about the view of, of different types of English. So traditionally, there's been a tendency to expose English learners in any context to prestigious varieties such as received pronunciation or general American English. Why is this practice questionable these days? I suppose we really have to consider, you know, our students' needs um, as a priority. And where once upon a time, uh, it may have been enough to provide only access or exposure to these prestige models. Um, today, given that English is so prevalent around the world, um, so uh, commonly used in different fields and different um, fields of interest, you know, aviation, diplomacy, science, you know, English is, you know, is so commonly used as the lingua franca for, for international speakers in these communities. Um, not providing access, not um, giving exposure to these different varieties of English um, is, is depriving our students of of the benefits that can come from this. We're, we're not meeting their needs if we're not allowing them time to get accustomed and to increase their awareness of English as a global language as it's spoken in different communities around the world. And I know that you and other pronunciation specialists propose exposing learners to other English varieties and accents, as you mentioned. Uh, what would be some of the potential advantages of exposing learners to other varieties of English? Well, I mean, we can we can we can see the benefits that come from exposure by looking at the reverse, looking at the opposite. You know, currently we have students that through their English training and English teaching, they've had a lot of exposure to maybe general American English or received pronunciation. And due to this significant exposure, they've become familiar with these accents. They have quite often very positive feelings towards these accents. They um, And also their familiarity means that they comprehend these accents more easily and more quickly than others. 
So I think it's providing students with the opportunity to have those experiences and those associations with other types of English. Um, there is a cognitive cost for all of us when we hear an accent that we're not familiar with. Um, for, for myself, for, for you, for any of us, not just our learners. And that is that it, it takes us longer to identify and interpret uh, an unfamiliar accent. And certainly in my own students, they often they often feel that this, this increased length of time means that, oh, it's too difficult. It's really difficult. It's so challenging. Um, and and giving them the the opportunity to to become familiar, we can you know reduce this kind of reaction. We can reduce the the extended time that it takes them to work out what they're hearing. Um, so I think there are so many benefits that can come from exposure over time. And this exposure to different accents and varieties is something that you have investigated previously with international students in an ESL context. Uh, could you tell our listeners a bit of what you did in your study and what you found? Yes. Yeah, so uh, a couple of years ago, this is, yeah, we're talking pre-pandemic days now, <laughs> 2019, 2020. Um, I ran a study uh, that was looking into students' perceptions of different accents, different international accents, but also different um, native speaker accents. And I was doing this because over many years, not, not just here in Scotland, but in other countries where I was working, I, I saw the same resistance to any other type of, you know, any other international or diverse accent in the classroom setting, students would moan. They'd say, oh, I can't understand them. They're not speaking proper English. So I really wanted to challenge this because I, I, I knew that obviously there is, there is more at play than simply an accent being hard to understand. So I wanted to, to, to unpick this and kind of contribute a little bit from my perspective to this growing body of research on, on L2 perception and comprehension. But I also wanted to um, question their um, ability to, to kind of look into their ability to actually identify um, where a speaker came from, because they would tell me, so, you know, they loved hearing uh, an RP accent or a general American accent. I really did question their ability to identify them because they would they would think that I was an RP speaker or they would misidentify other speakers. So I really wanted to, to do a little bit of research into this from, from my kind of context. So I uh, created a study whereby I had 30 students that took part. All of them were international students studying at the university where I teach in Glasgow. And they took part by completing, first of all, a questionnaire. And the questionnaire asked them various questions about their experiences with different types of English and their thoughts and feelings about this. So how easy they found them to understand um, or how difficult they found them to understand. Um, and they had kind of room to leave responses about their thoughts in a more extended manner as well. And then after they, they did the questionnaire, they took part in a verbal guise test. And for this, they would listen to eight different speakers of English. 
and they would listen blind. So they didn't have any uh, awareness of where the speakers came from. You know, there was no information to tell them the type of accent they were listening to. They simply had to listen to the recordings and they could listen as many times as they liked. And then they would answer questions. Um, They would rate the speakers and they rated the speakers on a variety of different things, such as um, how much they liked listening to it, if it was an annoying accent, if uh, they thought that the speaker would make a good English language teacher and so on. So, yeah, it was just to kind of get their, their perceptions of these accents when they had nothing to guide them but their their listening skills, their, their, their ears, their brains, their perception. That was all that was there to guide them. Um, and it was really, it was interesting because um, what I expected to happen did happen, which is that students did have very positive feelings towards the models they were most familiar with. So they were familiar with general American English. They were familiar with received pronunciation, standard British English, of course. And because of that, they rated them highly in things like sounds educated, would make a good English language teacher. Um, But what surprised me about this, the study, was the results towards other varieties. So, for instance, um, in, in my context in Scotland, where students have usually very negative feelings about uh, Scottish speakers. Um, and in, and this was shown in the questionnaire. They, they rated Scottish English as being extremely difficult to understand and they had negative feelings towards the accent. However, when they heard it in the verbal guise test, that was not the case. They had quite positive feelings towards it. They did not rate it negatively it was either neutral or in a positive frame Uh, so it was quite interesting from that perspective Um, and other things that I thought were interesting was their response to international Englishes as well Um, two of the international accents one was a a Castilian Spanish speaker the other was a Chinese speaker and both of these accents were uh, rated very highly by the students as being easy to understand, but also that that they liked the best out of all that they heard. Um, So I found it to be quite fascinating that when you remove the label, when students' attitudes, um, their perception cannot be influenced by their attitude towards the accent or the people behind the accent, it's interesting to see how they responded, how they perceive those speakers. So that's, that's it in a nutshell, basically. That's very interesting, fascinating. Uh, what would be your recommendations for teachers who would like to expose learners to other varieties of English, but who insist that received pronunciation or general American English are more prestigious or or proper models, as some people say? And I'm thinking here, too, about the pressure, pressure some teachers receive from their own students in the sense that they want to sound American or they want to sound British in their pronunciation. My, um, I mean, I get that all the time. (laughs) Um, I even have really funny experiences where students come in and they say, I only want to learn American English. (laughs) But you're in Scotland, that's going to be difficult. (laughs) But um, no, I think the first, my first response is always, why? Um, Why do you feel this way? Why is it 
what in particular is your reasons for wanting these accents or to work towards this accent or to only be exposed to this accent in the classroom? What I usually find, and again, it's not my place to judge. Everyone's allowed to have their own goal, to choose their own goals, to work towards. Um, what I usually find is some kind of, what I find is questionable logic behind students' justifications. So I have things like, well, because when I go home, if I have, an, if I have a British BBC accent, I'll get paid more or I'll get a better job when I go home and I have this accent. So they usually have quite, you know, there's a misunderstanding there about what they can, what they will likely achieve and and the, you know, the, the effects of that. Um, and again, coming back to the issue of, you know, identification of an L2 accent, this is challenging for lots of students, lots of learners of English cannot or, or any language it's difficult for us to identify where a speaker comes from so I would always kind of question the students who is it that's going to be listening to you back home that will then judge your accent as being native like or not and award you higher salary so I always like to question and try and figure out what their their reasons are um, I always try to um, emphasize the importance of you know, working in an international environment. We work, I work in a university. My students are all international university students and most of them will be communicating with other international speakers far more than native speakers. And certainly in some departments, and this will probably be the same in different universities, in some departments it's, it's far greater um, ratio of international speakers to um, local native speakers. So I try to make them aware that, you know, the proximity they have to other international speakers is to their benefit if they are um, considering how they can make themselves more intelligible to their immediate peers and speakers, the people that they will be conversing with most frequently. Um, so it's beneficial for them in that capacity not to work towards, you know, specific, if we're, if we're talking about production, not to work towards a specific accent, but to consider the features that will help them increase their intelligibility in any situation with any speaker. So the practicalities are important, really important to consider and to emphasize to them. Um, but I think also, you know, attitude is, is another uh, factor that we have to consider. And, and students often have ideas um, of what, what it means to have a certain accent, um, the prestige associated with a certain accent. And they may not necessarily be aware that those social effects um, of hearing a certain accent are not necessarily the same in every country, in every context and in every community. Students may be very unaware that they come to somewhere like Glasgow. And if I talk about the UK just for this example, um, I'm in Glasgow, but certainly a student that came to any, you know, big city in the UK, Cardiff, Belfast, uh, Birmingham, anywhere outside of London and um, in that part of the southeast, they will probably receive, should they have a native speaker RP accent, they will not necessarily receive positive affirmative responses from local speakers. There are negative associations to some accents. 
Um, and, and they don't know that this is sometimes the case. So making students aware that if, if they if they do reach that level of competency, if they do have a need to speak or RP accent, sure that this might have a positive effect on speakers in some parts of the world, not everywhere. So just making them aware of the kind of social connotations that come with accent. Um, but that's that's purely in a productive context. And of course, very few students ever reach that kind of level. In terms of uh, perception, however, again, it comes back to to what is going to make your life easier and 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 certainly having uh, exposure to a variety of speakers, being aware of how certain sounds might change is only going to um, have a positive influence on your listening comprehension. Absolutely. And you are the creator of the Scottish Sound School. Could you tell us a little bit more about this? Yeah. So for a very long time, because I specialize in pronunciation um, and I teach pronunciation uh, in, a, in an academic context, for many years, students have said to me, <clears throat> you know, I understand you. Gemma, I understand you, you're a very standard speaker, but as soon as I leave the classroom and I converse with anyone else, um, in term, you know, considering a, a native speaker, a local speaker, um, whenever I have that kind of conversation, um, it breaks down. I don't understand anything people are saying to me. Everything blurs together. Um, and they, you know, many students really do want to reduce those negative experiences. It's embarrassing for them. Not that they should be embarrassed, but they feel embarrassed because they have these kind of, sorry, can you repeat that again and again? And, you know, nothing improves. So they come to me and ask for help. How can we improve? Is there a textbook? Is there a resource? Is there a, a place where we can go and start to get used to Scottish speakers, local speakers, start to become aware of some of the words or the phonological features that people use so we don't have these horrible experiences when we don't understand what people are saying to us and I completely get that because that was my experience too as a language learner I hated those embarrassing um, confrontations and altercations in the street uh, so I, I completely uh, sympathize with them and um, and even teachers would come to me as well. You know, whenever I'd run uh, a teacher training event, and I, I do a lot of teacher training focused on pronunciation in a Scots or a Scottish English environment, and they'd say, but where can we learn about this? Because Scottish teachers are not taught about the intricacies of their own pronunciation. Most of them are taught RP if they're taught anything at all. So they want to know how what do I say to my students when they ask these questions because I don't have the answers so I decided after several years to create a resource or at least to start creating a resource where teachers but also students could go to access information that would explain to them what they're hearing and this I, I said to you before we started recording you know this is still in its infancy because time constraints really um, affect the amount that I'm able to produce but um, I've created a YouTube channel and a website which are linked and um, I, I like to produce little videos which identify features either lexical or phonological which are common for 
Scottish speakers and which students may not have familiarity with and provide little excerpts where they could listen and practice hearing these features, knowing what is being said. So it's basically trying to provide, in a nutshell, it's trying to provide them with some perceptual training and some uh, explicit information about what they're hearing in um, Scotland. See, this is interesting. And to access uh, this website is the scottishsoundschool.com, right? That's correct, yes. And it's on YouTube as well under the same name. Perfect. Thank you, Professor Archer, for sharing your expertise with us today. Remember, you can access the Scottish Sound School at the scottishsoundschool.com. If you want to find out more about some of the issues discussed today, you can read Professor Archer's chapter, The Effects of Prestige Model Familiarity on Students' Perceptions of and Interactions with Diverse English Accents. And this was published in Sardena and Jarosz, uh, 2022, right? That's correct, yeah. Thank you for listening to the Splits podcast. Please remember to subscribe through your favorite podcast platform, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. has been a presentation of Spliss, a podcast from the speech, pronunciation, and listening interest section of TESOL International. Please remember to subscribe to Spliss through your favorite podcast listening platform. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.